0: Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a study of the fourth step. The fourth step. The fourth step is a really important step. It's the first tangible, write something down, get something done kind of step for a lot of us. Today we're doing part two of the fourth step. So if you turn to page 48 in your big book, and it's going to start with, let's ponder the need for a list. We're stepping away from this description of Why a four-step? Well, the main idea in part one is that our instincts have gone awry and they get dominion and power over us and they have us do things that we don't want to do. And we certainly don't want the results of it, that's for sure. And we do this habitually and over and over and they dominate us. One great definition of an addiction that I heard one time was an increasing relationship with a need that I discover I need something like alcohol. And at first, that need only takes up a small part of my time and a small part of my life. As that need increases and my relationship with alcohol increases, it eats up more and more time until it eats up all of the time. And once it eats up all the time, I'm an alcoholic. I got a really bad problem. So an increasing relationship with a need. And one of the things we are required to do in order for this step four is to write stuff down. And right in here on page 64 of our big book, it tells us a little bit as to why we should write this stuff down. And I think it's important to think about it. But it says resentment is the number one offender. And that's really what we're after. And going through our instincts and how our instincts go awry was intended, I believe, to outline for us how we build these resentments. In essence, the world is not suiting us and we're unhappy about it. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. That's why it's important. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease. And that is referenced again in the 12 and 12 and the four steps, saying that all our emotional upheavals, just about every emotional disturbance, is a misdirected instinct. For we now have not only been mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. So writing it down is the spiritual element. The spiritual element are the things that address our thought and emotional life. Thought and emotional life. So it says we're going to, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, and principles. Well, there's going to be some things that often people miss, right? And that's the institutions and principles. And there's one people we often miss, and that would be us. So many people, when you sit down and look at the four-step work they've done as you enter into the fifth step, they haven't done that. The other thing about part one was that sponsors are here to help, that if we aren't here to compete with them, to have more drunk stories, but to use our past, our character defects to help the newcomer walk through this 4 step from the standpoint of fearlessness, because we have that mutual camaraderie, that wrecked in the same vessel, that understanding that supersedes anybody else's because we've done it. It's what makes us unique. So it goes into it here, and and as we dive in, it's going to talk about the need for a list. So this is how it starts off. Now let's ponder the need for a list of the more glaring personality defects all of us have in varying degrees. So all of us have this kind of stuff, right? And, And earlier on, it told us that everybody's got it to some degree, just ours dominate us and run our lives. To those having religious training, Such a list would set forth serious violations of moral principles. Woo, that's right. Some others will think of this list as defects of character, which we've already heard a bunch of times. You're going to hear the word shortcomings and some other, still more interesting descriptors. Still others will call it an index of maladjustments. Now, I can't say I've heard that one. Um, Would you like to review my index of maladjustments? Some will become quite annoyed if there is talk about immorality. Hmm, let alone sin. Don't be bringing up them religious words. But all, but all, but all who are in the least reasonable will agree upon one point. You ready? That there is plenty wrong with us alcoholics about which plenty will have to be done if we are to expect sobriety, progress, and any real ability to cope with life. To avoid falling into confusion over the names these defects should be called, Let's take a universally recognized list of major human failings. Here we go. The seven deadly sins of pride, greed, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. Believe it or not, it was the list of eight evils before it became the seven deadly sins. And there's a great story behind it, and it's not necessarily religious. It's not in the Bible. You can't go to the Bible and find the seven deadly sins as a group like this. It's just something somebody thought. You know what really causes man trouble? This stuff. Hmm. It's not by accident that pride heads the procession. For pride, leading to self-justification and always spurred by conscious or unconscious fears. Really important line. What it's telling us is this idea of pride, whether it be morbid pride or that false pride or this really grandiose view of ourselves they call vainglory earlier in the book whatever it is, it's this thing that keeps us, like blocks us, that lies to me and has me in that disillusionment, you know, believing the lies I tell myself. Pride. For pride leading to self-justification that I rely on this bad information, this lie I tell myself, the lie of pride, to justify my actions. I'm going to drink because it's blank. Good, bad, whatever, right? For pride leading to self-justification and always spurred by conscious or unconscious fears pride erupts from fear is the basic breeder of most human difficulties the chief block to true progress Whoo, that's it attack that pride here we go we're going to attack it pride lures us into making demands upon ourselves or upon others which cannot be met without perverting which change to be different you know we, without perverting or misusing our god-given instincts when the satisfaction of our instincts for sex, security, and society become the sole object of our lives, then pride steps in to justify our excesses. Man, that sounds familiar. Now, that was hard to hear when I first came around, and I know that's hard to hear for some other people, especially if you believe you were honestly done wrong and you have that justified anger, you know, that, that anger that's right, <laughs> you know, indignation. We're going to cover that. Hold on there. All these failings generate fear, a soul sickness in its own right. Then fear, in turn, generates more character defects. So it's one of them vicious cycle things. Unreasonable fear that our instincts will not be satisfied drives us to covet the possessions of others. Envy, lust for sex and power. Lust to become angry when our instinctive demands are threatened. To be envious when the ambitions of others seem to be realized while ours are not. A really interesting view on envy, almost meaning that I wish for the failure of others because I didn't get what I wanted. Pretty maniacal, isn't it? Hmm. We eat, drink, and grab for more of everything that we need or think we need, fearing we shall never have enough, and we never do. (laughs) And with genuine alarm at the prospect of work, we stay lazy. We loaf and procrastinate, or at best, work grudgingly, and under half steam. These fears are the termites. They're termites. I didn't see that coming, they're termites. These are the termites that ceaselessly devour the foundations of whatever sort of life we try to build. The reason why that's so great, because termites are silent and quiet and you really just don't know they're there. And they're taking away that wood little by little by little, the foundations, right? Just little by little, it's going that way. Really cool thing. So when AA suggests a fearless moral inventory, it must seem to every newcomer that more is being asked of him than he can do. Both his pride and his fear beat him back every time he tries to look within himself. Pride says, you need not pass this way, and fear says, you dare not look. But the testimony of AAs who have really tried a moral inventory is that pride and fear of this sort turn out to be boogeyman imaginary monsters nothing else once we have a complete willingness a complete willingness in this case where a willingness might mean ready or agreeing to or something like that a complete agreement to take the inventory and exert ourselves to do the job thoroughly a wonderful light falls upon this foggy scene as we persist which means to stay in spite of adversity a brand new kind of confidence is born that we're able to persist, that we're able to achieve difficult things, that our confidence builds in being able to keep the commitments we make to ourselves and to others. That's a type of faith and a type of trust begins to build. As we persist, a brand new kind of confidence is born and a sense of relief at finally facing ourselves is indescribable. These are the first fruits of step four. Onward we go. And that's why a list is important. That's why you write it down. Don't you want that experience? Of course you do. We all do. By now, the newcomer has probably arrived at the following conclusion, that his character defects representing instincts gone astray have been the primary cause of his drinking and his failure at life. Just repeating something that we're starting to understand a little better. That unless he is now willing to work hard at their elimination, unless, unless, If he's not willing, then this is all for naught. If you're not going to do a four-step, if you're a one, two, three, and it's all about me, one, two, three, that's what religion is, right? It's steps one, two, and three, and it's all about me. I'm this and that. I got the salvation thing going. I'm the enlightened son of a gun. This takes it a lot further. (laughs) We still got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, right? So unless he, the newcomer, is now willing to work hard at the elimination of the worst of these defects, not to address them, not to work on them, not to just acknowledge them, not to think you do or don't or whatever, to eliminate them, to eliminate the worst of these defects, both sobriety and peace of mind will still elude them. And it's baffling that way. We don't want that to be so. I can't tell you how many guys I've worked with that are one, two, three, and it's all about me. Look how good I'm doing. And they don't want to do this 4 step. In it, it, a quick story, you know, if you ask everybody in a church, who's a sinner, they'll all raise their hand. You ask everybody in Alcoholics Anonymous, who's an alcoholic, they'll all raise their hand. Then ask them, who's a thief? And no one wants to raise their hand, right? No one wants to raise their hand. It's calling out that character defect. That shortcoming, that sinful nature. It's calling it out. It's getting specific about it that gives us the freedom. And if we don't do it, the peace of mind we're after will still elude him. That all the faulty foundation of his life will have to be torn out and built anew on bedrock. The bedrock is the bedrock we can stand up on in step one rock bottom. Rock bottom is necessary so you have that bedrock to stand on now willing to commence the search for his own defects he will ask just how do i go about this how do i take inventory of myself well here we go since step four is but the beginning of a lifetime practice it is a tool that you're going to get better and better and better at doing that you'll have a chance in later steps to practice and repeat and perhaps some people like to revisit the formality of the four step however you want to do it it's a tool it's a skill And you want to get really good at it. So you don't think of it as working a step. The step works you. You don't feel good. Things aren't right. You're angry. You're not getting your way. You can do something about it. A lifetime practice. It can be suggested that he first have a look at those personal flaws, which are acutely troublesome in in a keen way. Right now, they're suddenly troublesome and fairly obvious. Using his best judgment of what has been right and what has been wrong. He might make a rough survey of his conduct with respect to his primary instincts for sex, security, and society. Looking back over his life, he can readily get underway by consideration of questions such as these. So here's the questions that sponsors can use. And this whole part of the book is really directed at the sponsor. Here's how we can help our newcomer get through this step four process and learn the skill of self-inventory. It says, and here are the questions, ready? When and how and in just what instances did my selfish pursuit of the sex relation damage other people and me? That's a tough question. (laughs) What people were hurt? Ooh, And how badly? Did I spoil my marriage and injure my children? It's all referencing back to that first question. Did I jeopardize my standing in the community? Just how did I react to these situations at the time? Did I burn with guilt that nothing could extinguish? Or did I insist that I was the pursued Hmm. and not the pursuer and thus absolve myself? Righteous indignation. How have I reacted to frustration in sexual matters? When denied, did I become vengeful or depressed? Did I take it out on other people? If there was rejection or coldness at home, did I use this as a reason for promiscuity? Hmm. Also of importance for most alcoholics are the questions they must ask about their behavior, respecting financial and emotional security. In these areas, fear, greed, possessiveness. Boy, man, we, we never let go of anything without scratch marks, you'll hear people say. And pride, there's that, that nasty pride, right? That disillusionment, that vainglory, that stuff, that morbid reflection of myself, self-deprecation, false pride. Pride in reverse. Undue pride. Pride that's just crazy, you know, just out there. That is no reference to reality. And pride have too often done their worst. Surveying his business or employment record, almost any alcoholic can ask questions like these. Here's another set for you and your sponsee. In addition to my drinking problem, what character defects contributed to my financial instability? Did fear and inferiority about my fitness for my job destroy my confidence and fill me with conflict? The Stoics got a great thing on that. They say that insecurity comes from not doing your best. Just that simple. So when you get insecure, it's because you did not give something all that you could have. And I think there's some truth to that. And I think a lot of my insecurity as an alcoholic stems from that very idea that I didn't do my best, that I was planning my day around drugs and alcohol, and I just didn't give 100%, though I definitely wanted 100% of my pay on payday. Hmm. What character defects contributed to my financial instability? Did fear and inferiority about my fitness for my job, about my fitness for my job, did I know that I wasn't doing a good job? Did I know that my drinking was hurting my job? Hmm. Destroy my confidence and fill me with conflict Wow Did I try to cover up those feelings of inadequacy by Bluffing, cheating, lying or evading responsibility Did I leverage my manipulative, dishonest self To get my way, to ensure my paycheck Did I bluff, lie, steal and cheat Man, I think a lot of us have done it Or by griping that others failed to recognize my truly exceptional abilities? That's that vainglory. Did I overvalue myself and play the big shot? Vainglory, there it is again. Did I have such unprincipled ambition that I double-crossed and undercut my associates? Was I extravagant? Did I recklessly borrow money, caring little whether it was repaid or not? Was I a pinch penny, refusing to support my family properly? It's just like the control freak stuff, right? Control freak. Did I cut corners financially? And I that doesn't mean to just shop at the Dollar Tree or Dollar General either. Because if it does, I'm in trouble. <laughs> what about the quick money deals, the stock market, and the races? Meaning gambling. Businesswomen in AA will naturally find that many of these questions apply to them too. But the alcoholic housewife can also make the family financially insecure. She can juggle charge accounts, manipulate the food budget, spend her afternoons gambling and run her husband into debt by irresponsibility, waste and extravagance. And what it's telling us is this applies to whatever domestic situation you're in, whether it's work or home life, these things work both ways. And I think for a lot of us, that description that seems to be aimed at the housewife in here really applies to us all because you clock out at work. And how much of this have you done? How many things are you trying to control there? Do you keep a separate bank account? Do you keep a separate telephone so that your wife or your spouse don't know what's going on in some other element of your life? Are you living that double life in a literal sense? Something to think about. But all that, in any case, will belong on your four-step. But all alcoholics who have drunk themselves out of jobs, family, and friends will need to cross-examine themselves ruthlessly, having no Pity, that's what ruthlessly means. Having no pity to determine how their own personality defects have thus demolished their security. Who did it? We did it to ourselves. That's who. The most common symptoms of emotional insecurity are worry, anger, self-pity, and depression. These stem from causes which sometimes seem to be within us, and at other times, to come from without. Hmm. To take inventory in this respect, we ought, ought means debt. We have a debt to pay. We owe. We ought to consider carefully all personal relationships which bring continuous or recurring trouble. A thing that just rolls through your head. It pops in. You're like, and you go through all those things, right? Blame and vainglory and depression and self-deprecation. Those. It should be remembered that this kind of insecurity may arise in any area where instincts are threatened. That's what we're watching out for. Questioning directed to this end might run like this. Some more questions. Some more questions. Looking at both past and present, what sex situations have caused me anxiety, bitterness, frustration, or depression? Appraising each situation fairly, can I see where I've been at fault? Did these perplexities, meaning states of being confused these confusing things things that I'm, i i want to blame you but i think i've had a part and, and one way to know that somebody's confused is when they're only willing to take responsibility for part well i'll take responsibility for this but not that and what they are confused about is the solution lies in ownership it lies in ownership so It says, did these perplexities beset me because of selfishness or unreasonable demands? Or if my disturbance was seemingly caused by the behavior of others, why do I lack the ability to accept conditions I cannot change? That's that ownership, just own it. It is what it is, that kind of stuff. These are the sort of fundamental inquiries that can disclose the source of my discomfort and indicate whether I may be able to alter, wait a second here, indicate, gives me some idea, steers me in the direction, tells me if or if not, indicate whether I may be able to alter my own conduct and so adjust myself serenely, calmly and peacefully, serenely to self-discipline. Hmm. It's another way of saying that if I change how I think about things through this four-step tool, I change how I see the world. If I change how I think about it by taking ownership of it, I can then do something about my part played. If I change how I think about it and see these other people as something I cannot change, I can then change me. Hmm. I think that works really really good. So it goes on to say, suppose that financial insecurity constantly arouses these same feelings. I can ask myself to what extent have my own mistakes my own mistakes fed my gnawing anxieties? Like to a great extent, right? Woo, you get sober and you can't hide from it anymore. And then your sponsor sits down and starts punching the nose with all these questions. It's like, holy cow, you know, please stop. And if the actions of others are part of the cause, what can I do about that? If I am unable to change the present state of affairs, am I willing to take the measures necessary to shape my life to conditions as they are? The power of ownership. You can change your conditions in your mind and the way you think and consequently change how you feel by doing just that, by shaping your life to the conditions as they are. Questions like these, more of which will come to mind easily in each individual case, will help turn up the root causes. And that's what we're after. But it is from our twisted relationships with family, friends, and society at large that many of us have suffered the most. So when I, everybody has acronyms for fear, I got one for you. Friends, enemies, associates, and relatives, because ultimately these people right here are twisted relations with family, friends, and society at large with many of us have suffered the most. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's people that we're afraid of. The fourth step ultimately is people, whether it be a principle, which is an idea, right? A principle might be a religious phrase that you don't like. It might be something your mom put over you all the time. It uh, might be that you know you just don't like gravity right? <laughs> some sort of law like that. And then institutions, many of us have resentments towards judges and prosecutors and police officers and jailers and jailers and probation officers and probation officers. I mean, it would go on and on. I, each one's got a name, right? We bring those into our life and we hang on to them because we're so darn right. And what this is saying is we can step away from that. We can be free of that pressure through this process. Goes on, we have been especially stupid and stubborn. Okay, stupid and stubborn about them. The primary fact that we fail to recognize is our total inability to form a true partnership with another human being. Man, when I read that, that set me back right there. That explains why I've felt different my whole life. That explains why. I have this sense of failure in my best relationships and some need to dominate the ones that aren't so good. It explains so much that, I, that my resentments and the way I view the world and the way I leverage my causes and the way I see the way they affect me and the way I blame other people and the way I rely on righteous indignation that I hang on to this, that I fail to recognize my own total inability to form a true partnership with another human being and it really it's just in sobriety that I've had that experience and only with a few and I'll tell you that's been amazing what a crazy crazy thing that god your higher power whatever the great universal spirit put in us is that connection wow so important to be able to do it if you're unable to do it this is the beginning of that path goes on our own Egomania, an intense love, our own intense love of ourselves. Our egomania digs two disastrous pitfalls. Either we insist upon dominating the people we know, or we depend upon them far too much. If we lean too heavily on people, they will sooner or later fail us. That's why we need a higher power, for they are human too and cannot possibly meet our incessant demands. In this way, our insecurity grows and festers. When we habitually try to manipulate others to our own willful desires, they revolt and resist us heavily. Then we develop hurt feelings. Oh, poor little old me. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. I can't believe it. Jeez, plum disease. Poor little old me. Then we develop hurt feelings, a sense of persecution, and a desire to retaliate. I'm going to get back. Now I'm going to show them as we redouble our efforts at control and continue to fail. Our suffering becomes acute and constant as we redouble our efforts to control, as I continually demand the world do what I want it to do hmm, and continue to fail. Our sufferings become acute and constant. I just bring it on myself. It has nothing to do with the other people. We have not once sought to be one in a family, to be a friend among friends to be a worker among workers, to be a useful member of society. These are the promises of the fourth step, that you will be one in a family, a friend among friends, and a worker among your workers, that you will become a useful member of society, though we've never gone after that on our own. We always tried to struggle to to the top of the heap or to hide underneath it. This self-centered selfishness behavior blocked a partnership relation with any one of those about us. Of true brotherhood, we had small comprehension. Some will object to many of these questions posed because they think their own character defects have not been so glaring. Pride. Pride. There it is. To these, it can be suggested that a conscientious means something with great care. Really take a sharp look at this. Take the surgical pen out, right? A conscientious examination is likely to reveal the very defects the objectionable questions are concerned with. Because our surface record hasn't looked too bad, we have frequently been abashed to find that this is so simply because we have buried these self-same, means exactly the same things, these self-same defects deep down in us under thick layers of self-justification. Whatever the defects, they have finally ambushed us into alcoholism and misery. So, we're going to land this plane right here, and then I'm going to talk to you guys about something that's that's interesting, and now this is different than the big book. Therefore, thoroughness ought to be the watchword when taking inventory. In this connection, it is wise to write our questions and answers. It will be an aid to clear thinking and honest appraisal. It will be the first tangible, easily seen or recognized type of thing. The first tangible evidence that people will notice about you of our complete willingness to move forward. So what's so important about that last paragraph is everything focuses on like a big book style inventory where he writes out the columns and you have, I am resentful at the cause and it affects my, and you do that type of thing. And then the brackets, you got fear over there, my friends, enemies, associates, and relatives that I'm worried about in this thing. And here he's, he's not even mentioned it. It's not even mentioned. Why a list? Why a list? So as we go through it, one of the things that I often miss and I did not do in my first four step are these questions. Write these questions out. In addition to doing what's in the big book, write these questions out. They are tough questions. Have the discussion with your sponsor. Pick any of those questions. So what I would love to see people talk about today is who in the room, or if your sponsor sponsee relationship is what you're listening for, has done it with the questions. How do we answer these questions? As we go through the chart that we find in the big book on page 65, we're going to be asked a few certain things. How are we measuring up against these seven deadly sins and how are they occurring inside of that chart? As we do an inventory of our most destructive character defects, shortcomings, and all that, you know, as we take a look at it and step into step five and discover the exact nature of our being, of our wrongs, of our character, right, and we admit to God and ourselves and to another human being who we really are, those questions will draw us right on to it. Doing the inventory like it shows in the big book is excellent. There's a ton of different ways to do it. There's all sorts of ideas out there. I would encourage you strongly to also write each of these questions down and narrate underneath it, not to perfection, not to remember every single thing, but generally speaking, where in your life did these things happen? You can do it with bullet points. You can write a story if you want to. Make sure you write it down. It's important we learn about ourselves and discover the thoughts and the feelings and how they work together for all these things. Those seven deadlies, particularly pride, that hold us back from the spiritual life that we're looking for, meaning that hold us back from the very relationships we so desperately want. One thing for sure to think about here, and it goes back to this phrase I like to add to it. So this is just Dan Dan throwing his, 22.4 cents in and that is the more important i make other people to me the more important i'll become to other people the more important i make the people that love me in my life that are supporting recovery by tackling this skill by going after this practice by learning this technique to deal with my insanely out of control instincts the more i do that the more important i'll gain that significance that i couldn't get from dominating and self-deprecation through justified anger and blaming other people for my problems i can actually achieve that and the four step is that first tangible step towards it that they'll notice because you're going to walk a little lighter it's so important it was important for me and i've seen this over and over again to get into this four step quick not once a week not slowly Aggressively, to vigorously go after this plan of action because it's going to stir up some difficult thoughts and feelings. And you want to get to that fifth, sixth, and seventh step very quickly, very quickly, in as short of a time as you can do it. So if your mind's saying, I can't do it now, if the things are getting away in your life, if you think the circumstances matter, I strongly suggest that you throw all that into the trash can, set aside the time, and dive all the way in. So here's your question to talk about. What is it about the four-step that holds you back from doing it if you haven't done it? And if you did do a four-step, how did the questions here in the 12 and 12 help you walk through it? If you didn't use the questions, hearing them today, how has that expanded your idea of the four-step and are you going to or are you not going to revisit it? I hope you guys have a great discussion.